Money FM 89.3, best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Asian stocks have given back early gains this morning and are trending lower despite an overnight rally on Wall Street. Tokyo and Seoul started the day in the green but have since swung back and forth between positive and negative territory. Both markets are trading around the flat line now. Sydney, though, is up three quarters of a percent. Joining me now to break down all the market action is Pan Jingyi. She's senior market strategist with IG. How are you doing this Friday, Jingyi? Um, hi, Michelle. Happy Friday. It's all good. I'm doing good too. Thanks. <laughs> so we're going to start this morning with GameStop, that loss-making brick-and-mortar video game retailer whose shares this week have just captivated retail investors, brutally punished hedge funds, and sparked a conversation about what's fair and what's not in the markets. Overnight, GameStop shares endured gigantic swings, trading at one point as high as 483 US dollars a share, and at another as low as one. 12. It finished the session at 193, down 44% on the day. So Jingyi, Robinhood and other retail brokers, limited trading in GameStop and other companies like AMC Entertainment, BlackBerry, Bed Bath & Beyond, uh, they did that overnight. So Robinhood allowed sales but prohibited new purchases. This was supposedly done in the name of protecting investors, but institutional investors face no such restrictions because they have other access to the market. So do you think that Robinhood's prohibition on GameStop purchases was fair? Well, so good morning, Michelle. Um, I think on this matter itself is something that we have been seeing in the U.S. And I think, you know, certainly there is also quite a bit of this uh, regulators that seems to be, you know, keeping a bit of a focus on it. So I think, you know, it's been a decision that's been made by the companies in the U.S., uh, we're not, you know, really taking any of this uh, strong views as to how this is going to pan out. But definitely, I think it's been something that's been quite novel. And, you know, that in relation to that, you know, how that had impacted share prices, we did find that coming through to see to a bit of volatility. So it's definitely something in development. And I think we'll be keeping a close eye as well. Um, and how, you know, this is going to matter as well for the broad market. Okay, so besides novelty, we have to let the listeners be aware that some members of the U.S. Congress have criticized the trading halts. There are reports also that Robinhood had to draw down on credit lines to bolster its finances amidst the retail trading frenzy. We want the details of the story, of course. So, Jingyi, what's the latest here and why would Robinhood be facing financial issues? Yeah, well, so that, I think, you know, came across as um, the well, the co-founder himself. And I think, you know, he was just about half an hour ago on Bloomberg TV also repeating this as well, um, that they really do see some of the financial uh, requirements. And with that, the SEC in the U.S. does look quite closely uh, to their net capital requirements and, well, their clearinghouse deposits. So I think given the kind of influx at this point of time that had been seen with regards to this stock, some of that had actually led to their um, need to draw down on this credit line. Mm, one of the biggest financial news stories for us to dissect this morning. The Reddit site Wall Street Bets that helped fuel the retail frenzy this week briefly went dark this morning. It had to shut for an hour because of an influx of new participants. And when it returned, moderators had pinned a note at the top saying rapid growth had made oversight on the platform difficult. Meanwhile, news that Robinhood will resume limited trading of GameStop, AMC and others tonight has fueled a sharp surge in their shares 
shares in after-hours trade. GameStop is currently up about 75% in after-hours action. So, Jingyi, the story has not only captivated listeners, the story of GameStop, it's also spilled out onto the broader market. And many analysts attribute Wednesday's sell-off to short sellers who are taking a beating on GameStop and needed to raise funds to cover their positions by selling off other shares. The U.S. markets rebounded overnight. So looking ahead, do you think the action that we've seen in the similar small companies could continue to have an impact on broader markets? So, Michelle, I think at this point of time, you know, I, I really like to describe this as, you know, when it comes to the market, there's always a certain degree of emotions. And I think with regards to this stock, it's been perhaps the pinnacle of which. Um, and I think this at this point of time, it could really just sustain for some time before it fizzles off um, as people once again look to some of the fundamentals. So on the back of this, you know, as you just explained, the broader market itself does seem to be a little bit concerned. This kind of, uh, I would say, sentiment is being guided as well into what this will altogether mean. Um, at this point, I think not a lot of people have um, well this figure altogether. So that is creating some fears, um, especially, you know, as you just mentioned, in terms of how hedge funds themselves may have to see to some liquidation and therefore market um, declines. So what you have just mentioned this morning, you have we have some of the um, well, limits easing uh, potentially and that actually seems to U.S. futures at this point to slightly down um, across the S&P and the Dow and I think you know that this story is going to be one that's continuing to unfold for some time. Uh, we just have to watch how it goes. But what's happening, I think, you know, really overnight as well is that um, what markets did actually see in the U.S. gaining a little bit and that with, you know, positive data coming through. The U.S. dollar had reacted around the data as well. And I think this is the bigger picture that the market will be focusing on. Let's bring the discussion to Singapore now, where two corporate stories caught my eye. Uh, one is a story of a rig maker. The other is about beer. So where do we start? It's Friday. I think I'll start with beer. Thai Bev is reportedly planning to spin off its brewery unit on the Singapore Exchange. And the IPO could be the biggest in a decade. So tell us more. What do you think about possible investments in Thai Bev's IPO? Do you think this could be a good opportunity for investors? Well, so Michelle, I have to say that, you know, Thai Bev IPO is really just one thing that I look very, very closely at. Um, but definitely, I think in terms of this, alongside the whole market sentiment, um, the market trend at this point of time, there is quite a lot of more interest um, in many of these um, IPOs. And I think this itself, likewise, will actually draw quite a bit of interest. I think broadly as well, we have seen for some of these um, consumer companies for the likes of uh, um, beer, liquor, I think, you know, that team itself have been going a little bit strong, particularly, you know, given the whole lockdown period. So uh, we'll be seeing how this is going to pan out. I think as far as the reports, I think Business Times as well have been saying they are seeking a valuation about $10 billion, which I think, you know, it's going to be quite significant especially for the Singapore market. Yes, a very significant IPO to be looking at because this Thai Bev IPO could be the Singapore exchange's biggest. Since Hutchison Port Holdings Trust raised more than 5 billion US dollars on the back of uh, 2011, IPO volumes on the Singapore exchange timid last year, less than 1 billion US dollars in total. So is this new IPO, that of Thai Bev's magnitude, good news for SGX shares? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, when it comes for um, SGX as well, to be well undertaking such a huge IPO, I think it's a bit of a boost for the confidence here, which, you know, over the years had also seen that kind of competition, particularly with other regional exchanges, such as the Hong Kong um, exchange itself. 
So on this end itself, I think you know it's going to be one that potentially draw you know others as well down the road if this does really materialize. All right, let's turn to the other big corporate story of the day. Keppel is saying goodbye to its rig business and is planning to pivot to clean energy. That is a huge move for Keppel. It's the world's largest offshore rig builder. Jingyi, how do you think Keppel will make this transition? Yeah, well, so this itself, I think, has been reported. It's going to be, well, um, gradual. I think, you know, that's really one of the words that we've been seeing here in the sense that the split itself is going to take place in terms of some of the, well, offloading um, through restructuring into, you know, different parts. They will still hold on to some of the business in the other, well, the other um, entity in the sense, Rick Co and Development Co. Um, and that altogether will be seeing that slowly being released for that matter and for Capo's, you know, eventual transition to focus a lot more on the green energy part of things. And for our investors listening in, could this be good news for Capo's shares? Yeah, well, so I think so far with regards to capital shares on Thursday with the announcement, hasn't really reacted so much towards that. Um, I think the initial reaction is doing a little bit of uh, understanding, as I said, it's going to be a bit of a long transition, taking it gradually. Um, but I think, you know, that being said, this is not a surprise as well, I think, for the market. And that, you know, given that being the case, a lot, I think, what's been uh, seen has been pricing. I think eventually it has to also run on how Apple will be able to um, well grow that whole clean energy side of things to actually draw uh, well more investor interest for that matter. General Motors also announced overnight a major pivot to clean energy. It plans to stop making gas-powered cars by 2035. Now, before I check in on Asian markets, I want to take a look at commodity markets and gold in particular gold. The precious metal is off to its worst start in a decade. What is going on? Uh, gold currently trading around 1,841 US dollars an ounce, down 3% since the start of the year. So what's going on, Chingy? Are you with us, Chingy? Hi, hello. <laughs> so what's going on with gold? <laughs> Yeah, so definitely, I think, yeah, maybe the line got a shock as well. But, you know, I think with regards to gold prices, um, certainly I think it's been treading water a little bit at $18,050. Um, well, it's last in $18,42 on my screen. So what we have seen with regards to gold prices, I think to a large extent is that, you know, even though you're talking about how it's really uh, fallen to start the year, we are also talking about gold prices actually coming down from historic highs that's been seen into late 2020. Over $2,000 per ounce have been where it was trading, you know, just into Q3 2020. Um, so what we have right now, I think it's also a picture of that gold prices. Yes, there is still quite a bit of jitters in the market over the recovery pay. Um, and how the vaccine rollout is going to be. But at the same time, we have the U.S. dollar seeming to uh, um, claiming some back of its, back some of its ground into the start of the year. So it's very much currency-led as well, and that seems to go prices easing past the $1,900 level. Um, I think in the outlook here, it's still one perhaps of sideways trade for gold prices, and that could really make for one of those looking, you know, those people who like to look at this on the channel trade for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, this on the uh, mixed pressures on one hand, I think you know the the fiscal stimulus coming through that could actually buoy gold. But at the same time, if the US dollar continue to actually reclaim some of the ground in the short term, and by that I know one to three months um, time horizon that we look at potential US dollar 
strength. They could still set the gold prices on the desk, that kind of sideways action. So I think definitely one worth watching. But, you know, with gold prices, $1,800, very strong support coming through. And on the other hand, it doesn't seem to be having ability to make much um, room headway you know, on the upside. Let's check in on local stocks, Jingyi. The Straits Times Index fell 1.2% yesterday to 29.20. It is still in the green for the year to date, though, which is more than I can say for the Dow. Jingyi, how's the STI doing this morning? Yeah, Michelle, so the SCI, as you preluded us to, we have seen Asia markets well, uh, coming on a little bit better today, just really retracing some of the losses that have been clocked in the Thursday session. So the SCI is up about 24 points at last check, which translates about 0.84%. So 2,944 is where we are seeing this. Uh, but as you mentioned, in the region, it's been a bit mixed. The ASX is up about 0.7% as well. Uh, but on the other hand, you do have the Nikkei really just, you know, um, a little bit in the red at this point. Um, quite a lot, I think, has been coming through from the overnight session as Wall Street managed to stabilize a little bit. But there's evidently a lack of fresh leads at this point of time still. All right, Jingyi, have a great weekend. You're done for the week, huh? Yeah, thank you. Take care. All right, Pan you, Senior Market Strategist with IG. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.